Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy, and with me today, I have a special guest, and oh my goodness, she is so special. <laughs> it is Pam Sparks. Pam is, uh, Pam, welcome. Well, thank you. You know, special can be used in many different it, ways. It, it can be. It can be. Well, yeah. you are one of our most avid fans and listeners. I so am. I love, love this podcast. The question will be, if you are here, is anybody listening to, to the podcast? Well, probably not, and I am not going to tell anybody I was on it. So hopefully, it will be the less listened to show. Well, I don't podcast. think so. I think I think you're going to boost our ratings significantly, and I'm excited about that. Uh, but, Only because they wonder yeah. what's going to come out of my mouth, and yeah, I've talked to God about that already. You yeah. know, you know that verse, um, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditations." <laughs> Of yeah. my heart be acceptable in your sight. Well, I'm hoping those words in my mouth that come out will be good. Well, words. sweet, sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet. Well, what we read last week is um, we were in Isaiah. Isaiah, we've been in a while and stay in Isaiah for a while. Isaiah is mm-hmm. kind of a month long read, so uh, it's a significant portion of your Old Testament reading. Uh, and then we, we spent some time in the Psalms mm-hmm. and uh, Proverbs 25, and twenty and then we, we ended up Proverbs 25, went into 26. Just, and again, I say this so much, but the the way the reading is broken down in Proverbs, you kind of have uh, just little pieces here and there. So you just get little nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. And they're always little good nuggets of wisdom. And so maybe maybe we'll have something to share from that. And then uh, and then we're in 2 Corinthians and end out 2 Corinthians and go into Galatians. Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, you foolish Galatians! <laughs> and so, so it was. Uh, this is. Is that pronounced Galatian? No, it's Galatians. It's yeah. Galatians. Yeah. No, I mean the people. They Gala- are Galatian Galatia. people. They are yeah. from Galatia, and yeah, they the are Galatians. Galatians. No, they're Galatians. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jack, like. All right. They're not like Jacksonians, but. Uh, okay. I, what I don't know is, is it Cape Girardar, Cape Girardites, or Cape Girardians? Oh. I would go with Girardians. I, I would like just the sound to, of that. I would just move to Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Avoid it all together. You know, that would be good, but we don't want ever too many people in Jackson. <laughs> or we would become like the Girardians. Spoken yeah. like a true Jacksonian. Yeah. <laughs> we, we want some, but not many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want Something to stay, like that. We want to stay like we are. Mm-hmm. We don't want to grow too much. Okay, well, we have a lot to talk about, so we will come back and share what we have gleaned from the Word of God when we return. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. We are with Pam Sparks today. Very, very special day. (laughs) (laughs) One of the highlights of the podcast era. Oh, man. uh, Yeah, it is good stuff. I hope uh, I don't make history. Yeah. So we are we are now taking a moment to share that which stood out to us in the reading as we were reading through God's Word. Uh, and uh, and if you ever want to look at the reading plan, it's on our website at www.fbcj.us. That's fbcj.us, First Baptist Church Jackson. That's what that stands for. Dot United States, I guess, is what U.S. stands for. <laughs> but uh, Or just us uh, as opposed to them. Ooh, I uh, like that. Yeah, exactly. FBCJ. Is us, not yeah. us. So um, the um, so anyway. So Pam, what yes. uh, what stood out to you? Okay, well I'm gonna go to Isaiah first. There was a couple of places, but Isaiah had a lot of bad stuff that we have been reading of all the the hurt and the killing and all that sort of stuff. 
but in 29, chapter 29 in Isaiah, there's, there's some woes there that made me think about nowadays, not only then, but nowadays. In 29.13, it says, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. It made me think about when we come near with our mouths and honor with our lips, but our heart's not quite there. It makes me think of sometimes we do religion Mm. instead of faith. And I think it's, you know, you have your mountaintop experiences where you do feel close to God, and it's not just lip service, but we kind of get into life sometimes, and, you know, you think, wait, you know, I'm just... I'm just doing what we always come and do on Sunday morning or mm. whenever, you know, and I'm not feeling it like I should. And then that's just lip service. And I'm thinking that applies nowadays as it w- did back then. Mm. So and then there's another woe in chapter 30 on on the first verse. And it says, woe to the rebellious, rebellious children, says the Lord, who take cons- who take counsel but not of me and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Now, that just makes me think what we're doing as a nation right now. Mm. You know, it just keeps getting getting worse and worse and more sin and more sin. And we become more accepting of of the sinful things. And so, uh, yeah, that's a couple of the woes. And I'm going to jump in. I'm not going to quit just yet because there is it gets better. Then comes 35 chapter 35 just momento here and oh I have a little question there too Mm. I forgot to pre you on this oh I hope you know the answer (laughs) yeah that the title of 35 says the future glory of Zion and it uh, it sounds like heaven to me it's uh, in verse 3 it says like strength Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fear, fearful-hearted, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. On the down, it says a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. Right. It made me, it, you know, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it made me think of heaven. So hmm. does Zion mean heaven or it what is, is Zion? Well, Zion is uh, is Jerusalem, but it, but it's a, it is a... Um, it is also a reference to the New Jerusalem, yeah, okay. which is the new city that's coming to. Okay, so which here. would be heaven. Yeah, heaven, right, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. And that's one of the neat things about Isaiah is that he he does uh, he gives us so much. Isaiah is my, by far my <coughs> favorite prophet, and and I, it's just because he is so good at, at looking into God. Just blesses him with such incredible vision of. Not only when Jesus is going to come. I mean, it it is like Isaiah and Jesus are contemporaries. It's like hmm. he's watching Jesus, and he's hundreds of years before Jesus is born. Yeah. And uh, and then he can he gives so much that is used in the Revelation. You know that John right. does. And so so he has uh, this this sight. I mean, Daniel. I love Daniel too. Daniel is also one of my favorite. But uh, but I, the book of Isaiah just has so much of Christ in it. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, Zion talking about uh, the New Jerusalem. It, it, that's when Jesus comes. They expect they're expecting these things to happen 
when Jesus is here. So because they would be familiar with these passages. So they're right. thinking this highway of holiness is, is now. Yeah. And uh, so that's we call it the already not yet tension. Uh, and and because some the kingdom of God comes when Jesus comes, but not all of it. And so yeah. it's, so we, it's already here, but it's not yet completely fulfilled. And so. Yeah. And that that's what amazes me that you read that stuff that is actually going to happen. And mm-hmm. this is before they even knew it happened. Of course, God knew. Yeah. You know, but it's yeah. it still just blows my mind. It is. You know? it, and it just makes you think, how can I mean, obviously, people try to make up. I mean, it, it, how does he know? I mean, how would I mean, how can you not believe in the supernatural when somebody's is obviously predicting the things that are going to happen? So right. you have to say somebody else wrote it later. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's 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 your only recourse. But but we yeah. have the book of Isaiah is in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which pre, def, does predate Christ. Right. So. Right. And right right there it yeah. is. Yeah. It's in black and white or yeah. black and red and white it's or pretty, whatever pretty, you're, pretty you're powerful. reading. It. Yeah. And before I go with Isaiah, because I started with how awful it is and bad stuff, 40, chapter 40 is just awesome. It's just rich, so rich with with goodness in it. But the last uh, 28 through 31 is the verses that we see on walls and see on T-shirts and and know very well. But I'm going to read it. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases the strength. How awesome is that? Mm. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their spirit. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. I mean, that is just, it makes me want to tap dance. It's just awesome. When I run in the mornings, I have uh, on my running um, mix that I have that I have playing in my head. One of the songs uh, has a, a child reads this at the end of the song reads from this passage, and uh, it's super helpful to have this little thing where it says um, that uh, they will run and not become weary. They will fall. They will yeah. walk and not faint. <laughs> and it's like so. I just uh, it okay. pushes me a little bit further anyway. Yeah. I'm like yeah. so yeah. anyway. So I try to soar on wings like eagles there at the end of every run yeah and um, not faint yes even though youths may because i'm not in the youth category anymore even though they're fainting and are weary and young men are stumbling yeah. and falling i can keep going you would be one of those joy people just over youth just over youth yeah i appreciate that yeah. pam man that's <laughs> i like that well i i also uh, had something from isaiah 35 uh but just to zeroing in on that a little bit more uh, where um it says um in in chapter 35 Isaiah gives this incredible um, discourse uh, where he says, uh, he says, the wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaking knees. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Um, Then the eyes Mm -hmm. of the blind will be open 
and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy, for water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool, and the and the thirsty land springs, and the haunt of jackals in their lair. There will be grass, reeds, and papyrus. It, and, and that, wow. And it is, it is again, it's it's like Isaiah is, mm-hmm. is looking, and this is what happens when Jesus comes. So you can imagine the people yeah. seeing these things happening when then blind people are that's why you have so much in the gospels they make sure they include stories of jesus making blind people see of the deaf people hearing of the lame leaping like a deer when when they're asking when john the baptist is asking is he the one that's this is the that's the information they give the blind see the deaf hear you know the lame walk mm-hmm. and uh, to show that this is the messiah this is the promised one uh, who was to come and right after that uh, you have this invasion after this word comes of God's promise to his people that he will. You have the Assyrians who are coming mm-hmm. and knocking on the door. And this is a passage that comes from um, the uh, from first and second Kings, first and Chronicles also, where they um, where they come and are basically saying, hey, we're going to overtake you. And and I was to, to quote a particular part in chapter 36, verse 7. He says, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is, it, it, it is not he whose high places and whose altars uh, Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar. Uh, and he says, have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. And I thought... That's pretty bold for a pagan military ruler to come to God's people and say, your God told me to come mm-hmm. here and destroy you. And, and I thought, but that's what happens in the world. The world pretends or at least uh, fakes or lies or deceives in thinking they know and understand our God. Because if you knew the law, and Hezekiah did, uh, the reason why he took down the high places is because God didn't like the high places. But from an outsider, it looked like he was destroying these worship places that to their God. And mm-hmm. so there's so much that we do within the body of Christ that the world doesn't understand because they don't know our word. They're ignorant right. of the word. And, uh, and there's so much that uh, they say they get bold against us. Because they get they get puffed up with their own power, they get puffed up with their own might, their own intelligence, their money, or whatever mm-hmm. resource they have, and they begin to speak to us as if they know the word, but the truth is they don't know the word. And that's what we have to constantly remind ourselves is they don't know my God. They don't know what he is going to do. You know, they're, they're saying your God's going to fail you. Your God's not going to do this. And it's like, they don't know my God. They don't know. Right. They don't know what's going to happen here. You know, right. when a doctor comes to you and says, you know, you can pray if you want to, but this is what's going to happen. Well, he doesn't know what your God's going to do. He doesn't know. Nobody knows uh, mm-hmm. our God except us. We, he's revealed himself to us. And, and if you know the word, then you know God. And if you don't know the word, then you don't know God. And the word is re- the word is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and so so the two go hand in hand. The Bible tells us, I mean, yeah. that's why we're reading and studying the Bible. That's why we call it understanding Jesus, because you can't understand Jesus if you don't understand the Bible. Right. But the same is true, though. If you can't, uh, if, you underst- if you don't understand, um, if you don't understand the Bible, you don't understand Jesus. You can't understand Jesus if you don't understand the Bible, you don't understand the Bible, you don't understand yeah. Jesus. So. And you're not going to understand it unless you start reading it. Right. You know? and, and you, but you still need, you still need the Holy Spirit 
to oh, to you have to yeah. know him, trust him, but put yeah. your have your faith in him, and and know him in the, in the biblical sense. You have to, you know, when you're in a relationship, there's a covenant of, of when you when you get married, you make this covenant to I'm not just wanting to know who you are, but I'm I'm making myself accountable to you, and and now we're dependent upon each other, and we make these vows to one another, and so you know each other in a way that. Other people don't know you just about reading about you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Because, you know, I have read it and it doesn't make sense to me, whatever I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And But then I can go before that and ask for the Holy Spirit to open that up and show me what it's really saying. Right. You know, and it becomes clearer then. Right. Sometimes I still have to ask somebody that has a little more knowledge to me, like this wonderful podcast that they have at First Baptist Church. <laughs> That's right. And that helps to open it up. But yeah. you just, you know, you just got to read it. Even though you may not understand exactly what you're reading, just keep doing it. I can I can get information from people who don't know Christ, you know, factual information that informs the other things I understand about the word. But it's, it's really the body of Christ that has given me the most uh, precious information about understanding his word because it's the same spirit speaking to all of us. And sometimes just having somebody else, and my wife is a great example of this. I mean, completely spirit-filled, wonderful lady and that she is, and very knowledgeable of the Word. She you know, is. But she just hasn't taken one class in seminary. Uh, but but I can be reading something in the Word, and then she can inform that from her own understanding through the Holy Spirit in her. And then, mm-hmm. so now I have a greater understanding through her. Um, because, but it's the same spirit speaking to both of us. And, right. and that's, and that's, and I think that's, that's why we study the Bible together because when you're a group of people all studying the Bible, God is giving insight to each of us mm-hmm. and he's going to give you a little piece that I need just because that's what keeps us in fellowship with one another. Right. And, yeah. And with that, I'm going to make a little plug for Bible study Sunday school. Ooh. That is that is the be- best place to be. It's okay to go to worship, you know. Yeah. That preacher usually says some good stuff from yeah. God. But you get to hear other people's opinions and right. ideas, which is all coming from the Bible. And if not, we'll tell them it's not. Right. <laughs> But and and it should be a place where you could ask questions. Yes, where you can definitely. interact. We yeah. don't do that on Sunday morning in worship very often. Yeah, not usually. <laughs> it's extremely <though>. rare. <laughs> I, I speak. Everybody yeah. listens yeah. or doesn't listen. Whatever they're doing, but I'm just speaking for that period. But yeah. but that's why yeah, I I am a firm believer that Bible studies are imperative because you uh, you get to interact and and ask questions and pro yeah. and, and probe deeper and because right. you you might say hey what about this and then you take time to search out that answer exactly so yeah cool deal what else did you mm-hmm. have Pam uh, in, in Isaiah, or can I go it, somewhere you can else? Go somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to Galatians. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to Galatians three. Da, da, da. Oh, almost did you mm-hmm. didn't mean to do that. It just slipped out. Okay. Galatians three, 16 through 18. Okay. Yes, it's about Abraham. Um, It says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He does not say, And two seeds, as of many, but as one, and to your seed, who is Christ. That was kind of an aha, well, moment for me. Hmm. Because I never thought, I never put it together of the seed, with a capital S, was the Christ. I just thought that he was 
like many seeds, you know, he's going to make many countries from Abraham, many people from Abraham. And it's just back here, back here all that time ago that that to, through Abraham that it was he was given the seed, which was Christ. And now in the, in the future that we have Christ. And then there's another thing that is in there. The next verse, it says, And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was continue, confirmed before my God in Christ, that, if should make, that it should make the promise of no effect. And so I was thinking about that, the of the law of the 430 years, was that, was that like when the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. was was passed down, and then and then the Jews just kind of got it out of hand and kept kept adding and adding and adding laws. Um, well, you're um, back in Genesis. Uh, God tells the Israelites that it will be that they would be 400 years in the land of Egypt, um, and so you have. Uh, if you do math, it actually comes out to about 645 years as far as when they leave Canaan. They were in Egypt uh, 215 years. Um, and, uh, and so, but, um, but if you look at the, uh, at the time they have in Egypt, if you think of it in terms of that this is the time that you were in Egypt apart from me and so forth, um, if you take between the time Abraham initially received the covenant in Genesis 12 at 75 mm-hmm. years old, the time Jacob and the Israelites uh, left Canaan and moved to Egypt, that was 215 years. But right before they left, God spoke to Jacob, which reconfirmed the covenant with him. Uh, so between that moment and the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, that was 430 years, which is probably what Paul is referencing. So. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Paul is pretty savvy. Yeah. So, so yeah. he he's not going to just look at it in in generic terms, but uh, but is actually, um, uh, it's not necessarily the initiation of the Abrahamic covenant back in Genesis 12 that he's talking about, but the last time the covenant was confirmed with Jacob in Genesis 46, um, and then uh, and then that leads to where the Israelites left the land of Canaan. And and understanding that when God is talking about a covenant with Abraham, he's and you know, he's talking about a covenant with his people, with the people of Abraham. That's right. that's something we see differently in our time. It's uh, the they they viewed just as much the that the children of Abraham, like for instance Jacob, when he's named Israel. I mean, when we refer to Israel, you're talking about the nation of Israel. But that is, but he is the father of that nation. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it would make more sense actually when you're talking about a covenant with Israel. But when the God reaffirmed that covenant with Israel, with the person <laughs> of Israel, it was Jacob. So yeah. So, yeah. Another little kind of confusing thing, if you don't know or have it explained to you. Right. You know, and, if you just read that. And Paul, especially in Paul's writings, because Paul was very educated. And so he, when yeah. he refers to things, he was taught by Gamaliel. He was someone schooled in Hebrew thought. So he would, he's going to reference things that more schooled people would mm-hmm. understand or know. And uh, 
and and so so we have to dig a little bit <laughs> to to kind of figure out what he's talking about. Sometimes yeah. it, sometimes it's, it's almost impossible to figure out, but uh, as far as direct references and what he's referring to and so forth, that's why you know, uh, and this is just uh, something along those lines. When you're when I'm reading the New Testament, I uh, and Daniel and I had talked about this quite a bit that I had never seen the value of the pseudepigrapha or the apocryphal books. Uh, and those are just Jewish writings that aren't in the Bible. And I always thought, well, they're not in the Bible. What's, why spend the time? But the Bible references those books so often. And when you read them, you're like, oh, my goodness, this is in this passage. Especially Revelation. There's tons of references. Hmm. And you're like, why is that? And then you realize, well, this is what they read. This is what they read. The people who are writing the Bible, these are the, the writings that they would have been familiar with. Yeah. Even though they didn't make it into the Word of God. Uh, it was something that they all, I mean, because we're reading, we read a lot of things that aren't in the Bible, written right. by preachers and, and teachers. Ooh, and I never so thought forth, about that comparison. And so, forth. And so, we're, yeah. so we have all that information. And we reference those things all the time. You know, like I say, the C.S. Yeah. Lewis said this, and this guy said this, and so forth. Well, if we were writing books of the Bible and we reference those quotes or phrases, other people hundreds of years from now are going, what in the world is, who is hmm. that? <laughs> you know, where does that come from? Well, yeah. it's not from the canon of the Bible, but... Uh, and it and it's not that those books that are referenced are authoritative or inerrant or infallible, but in the context that they wrote it into the Word of God, because it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is authoritative when it's in the Bible. So, okay, well that was kind of going through my mind is, so who decides which books to put in the Bible? The church, the well, God ultimately we believe. Well, that's what yeah. yeah when you said that, but I, but it is and it's a great question because it is um it is a it was a process of the early church, and and a lot of times people think there was this moment where the church got together and said, here's the Bible, but that's mm-hmm. not how it happened. Uh, these letters are being circulated that Paul writes, because the letters of Paul started first. Before the Gospels were written, Paul was circulating letters. Oh, okay. First and second Thessalonians are probably the oldest books really? in the New Testament. Yeah. So I didn't know that. And so, so he's circulating letters to the churches. And then uh, the apostles wrote gospels accounts because they're getting older and people are getting details confused mm-hmm. and so forth. So they were, said they were there, and so they wrote down exactly ah, what it was. Thank you, so God. You have, yeah. So you have Matthew, who wrote his account. Uh, Mark probably wrote an account first, but Mark was a scribe for Peter. So it's pretty much everybody agrees that uh, that Mark is simply just writing what he was getting from Peter. Uh, hmm. Even though Mark wasn't an apostle, he was a scribe for Peter. So, so the, really, it's the Gospel of Peter, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, and that's and it's just brief. And so huh. then you have Matthew and Luke who take elements of Mark, and but expand upon it. Matthew being an apostle, Luke being a, an historian who interviewed the apostles and Mary. Uh, so he was okay. so he was somebody who was very wow. meticulous in getting details from the people who were there. Cool. So it was just great. And then at the end of his life, you have the the last one who was the most intimate was mm-hmm. like, I'm getting ready to die, and there are things that nobody knows. Yeah. And so he wrote the Gospel of John, which is just a precious book yes. because uh, uh, because he gives so many details that we wouldn't have had otherwise. But he was there. I mean, mm-hmm. literally at the Transfiguration. In the, in, when you have these places where people go behind closed doors, there are three there, Peter, James, and John. Well, the one who's there is writing about it. Wow. And and then also receives the revelation you know, from Christ at the end. Uh, so, and then you, know, you have a few Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but we do believe it has some type of apostolic link. But the uh, James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, who also would have been there. Mm-hmm. But so you have all that's So these were being circulated around to the church. 
and churches and there were other books that some churches were using but then when they would the churches would come together and meet they would say well we don't think this is strong enough to include in what we believe to be actually God's word and so then over a period of 100 200 years uh, it became clear that these are these books are the ones that are going to hold true and so that became the New Testament canon and so about 420 430 AD by that time it was like they, they put it together in a Bible that was when the first Bible was made and it was an Aram, the New Testament was in Aramaic uh, and uh, and I've actually seen it I've seen a part of it one's one's on a, in a museum hmm. and the oldest Bible was taken out of Egypt and put into a uh, museum in England and then uh, the second oldest Bible uh, was is on display in a monastery in Egypt and uh, and but wow. the coolest part about it to me was, is that the words of Jesus in that Bible are in red, and so even really? then, when they wrote the Gospels, the, all the words of I Jesus. I thought were that's put something in red. we just did now, I so know. people would know. I thought that too, and then the bolt, but wow. there, well, there it was in red. Wow. And so, so they, but they also saw the need to highlight this is what Jesus said. You yeah. s- you said of the New Testament, so was the Old Testament. The Old Testament already, was already in place. Already in yeah. place. Yeah, and that canon the was there when Jesus was here. So okay. he affirms that. So yeah. he, I, I mean, he never said this is not. <laughs> so, and he references the Old Testament. But that, that was pretty much, that canon was decided before. It, and it was put into uh, Greek in the Septuagint uh, when Jesus was here, which is was the neat part about when Jesus came on the scene. And that's how you see God's timing is amazing because uh, they had a Greek Bible um, the Septuagint, where they um, seventy people, you know, went together and put it together in in this um, uh, well, the Old Testament in Greek mm-hmm. language. So, so you had for the first time a Bible in the common tongue, uh, so that everybody in the world could read it. And so this is this is this is where Jesus shows up in this world where this has been produced. And uh, and so yeah, it's so it's it's referenced. So Paul would have had a Greek Bible to reference. Mm-hmm. Of course, Paul would have known Hebrew too, but, um, but yeah, so that, that canon was already established before. And because Jesus affirms it, then we say, okay, we know that. And so then basically then there were certain guidelines for New Testament books that the church would say it had to have apostolic, some apostolic connection, meaning there had to be okay. people who yeah. were here with Christ, awesome. who were, who walked with him and spent this time mm-hmm. with him. And, and um, and had been there from the beginning, saw him resurrected and so forth, and it had to have that connection in order to make it into New Testament. So, cool. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that about Paul too, about his education, because I just knew that he was a, you know, a, a head honcho that was against the Jews, and yeah. you know that he had a lot of power, and he was probably a smart man, but. I always thought he was a little cocky. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's probably because he was so smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Very educated. So so and, educated. And yeah. well trained. Yeah. So yeah. and and God used it, but he you know he even says though he says I count all that rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. He said yeah. I, he says it's not worth anything if you don't yeah. know Christ. So he awesome. he's yeah. very self-deprecating. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. So good stuff. Cool. Wow, thanks, okay. Pam. Wow, I almost forgot anything I had to share. But uh, oh, do we have time for I, yours? I, I will. I will. I'm gonna throw something in. <laughs> okay. Just uh, if I can see what I was gonna throw in here, uh, I had something from Second Corinthians. Let me see if I can find it. Second um, Corinthians chapter twelve. 
chapter 12, verse 9, he says, um, I thought I had it. There's, yes. He says, uh, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I, you know, I read that this time. And it's a passage you read over and over again. Mm -hmm. But what struck me is when we sing Jesus Loves Me and we say, uh, I am weak and he is strong, that's not what Paul says. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And and he's pointing out that it's not just that um, that Jesus is strong and I am weak, but that Jesus strengthens me. That actually yeah. I start in weakness, but I don't end in weakness. That I, I may come to Christ not knowing, but I don't end not knowing. Yeah. It's like I, I, I think that's the, the key thing that people miss in salvation and coming to an understanding and knowledge of Christ is that we go to him uh, with our inability, but we don't leave with inability. He, he enables us. Mm-hmm. He gives us that which is lacking. And, and, and at the very base, I go to him unsaved, I leave saved. I go to him unhealed, I leave healed. I go to him not knowing, I leave knowing. I go to him weak, I leave strong. That's the whole point, is that it's not just that he takes... Because I, and the reason I say that is there's so many people who are under the understanding that they go to Christ and it's like he just accepts me the way I am. And that's not a true statement. He doesn't mm-hmm. accept you the way you are. He starts with, he takes you the way you are, yeah. but he changes you. Yeah. Into what he needs you to be, and and that's that's what salvation is about. If if mm-hmm. you were okay the way you are, then he's not necessary. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I th- I think a lot of people are not lacking, and that's why they don't accept him because they don't feel like they need anybody right. else. Right. You know. Or they don't so. want to be changed. Yeah. 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 And that's uh, uh, and I, I and I think that's sometimes in our gospel presentation though I think that's that is missing. I think we we miss the. Uh, that I think it's like I'm a liar, a cheater, and a thief, and so then I meet God, and he accepts me as a liar, a cheater, and a thief. And it's like that is not the message. The hmm. message is you come to him as he accepts, he brings you in, welcomes you as a liar, a cheater, a thief, but he changes you into no longer being a liar, a cheater, and a thief. And right. so you're, you're rescued from that and set free from that. Right. So if you come and you're still the same, then you haven't met him. Or at least you didn't yeah. you weren't didn't experience him. I mean, can you imagine the stories mm-hmm. in the uh, in the Bible if the friends had lowered their friend who was uh, paralyzed, and mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Of course, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, and I love you the way you are." And his friends carry him out. <laughs> That's a very different story, isn't it? It would be a very different story. <laughs> and so yeah. the whole point was is that he gets up and he walks. So yeah. And Jesus says, I'm showing you that I have the power to forgive his sins by showing that I have the power to make him walk. Yeah. And, you know, if, he, if Jesus shows up at the tomb with Lazarus and says to Mary and Martha, and she says, I know we'll see our brother in heaven. And Jesus just goes, yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, what a it downer! It's a story, you know. It's like I don't yeah. think it's going to make the cut yeah. in the gospel, but that's because it's not what the story is. It's like Jesus. Right. If Jesus shows up, something's going to happen, and that's the whole point. It's even even yeah. from the point of being at a wedding, you know, even the wedding gets juiced up. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> 
some so, pun intended. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to come back, and we got a question or two that we're going to deal with uh, when we return. Okay, we're back, and in this last segment of our Understanding Jesus podcast, Understanding Jesus podcast, we are going to deal with a question that Pam is bringing to us. Pam, okay. what is the question? Okay, the question comes from 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Mm-hmm. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. So who are they talking about, and what is a third heaven? How many heavens do we have? Oh, it's a good question. Good questions. Uh, they, uh, first of all, it, we're talking about Paul. I mean, he pretty makes it, brings it pretty clear that he's talking about himself. Okay. Because he it then, does? But yeah, well, because later he talks about how this oh. is a thorn in his flesh and so forth oh, yes, that God didn't that. remove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so okay. he's, he's sharing the story basically to show that God has given something to him. There's... Uh, there's some thinking about uh, we don't of course you don't know what the thorn in the flesh is. There's some thought that where he was at the particular time that he had just been in the lowlands of a particular region where malaria was a problem. Hmm. Uh, it's possible that he was uh, blind as a result of the malaria. That's one of the side effects of really? malaria. Yeah, and so so it's possible that he became blind and, and we have evidence of that because he had to use scribes later on and so forth. So maybe hmm. this is the thorn. That his, he lost his sight, and then God didn't ever give it back. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and he saw this as a means of humbling. Whatever it was, it was something that God allowed him to have that he didn't remove. And that in itself is just a great, you know, it's a great word from Paul. And that sometimes God allows you to have some type of disability, and he's like. I just want to show my. Sh- I always yeah. think of Johnny Erickson Tata, who's paralyzed yeah. from the neck down, because he's used in such an amazing way, you know, and does such amazing things. So just demonstrated strength and power in what he could do in spite of our weaknesses. And that, and of course, Paul uh, is in both is talking about his weaknesses and how mm-hmm. Christ displays his strength. So that would make sense. Uh, the third heaven. Uh, the idea is uh, in 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 thought in this time period is that the first heaven is the sky and the atmosphere. The second heaven is where the stars are, and the third heaven is the realm where God is. Um, the uh, the third heaven is uh, we were just talking about this. This is referenced in the book of Second Enoch, uh, which is an extra biblical book, Jewish writing, uh, that Paul would be familiar with. And in this book, it describes the third heaven as being the place where milk and honey flows. That uh, is a place where there's oil and wine, and just uh, is paradise. Is what it is. It's really the Garden of Eden, okay. uh, the the new Garden of Eden. So heaven, where God dwells, and and so um, so Paul was taken to this amazing place where the realm of God, and and he and he says, I don't know if it was a dream, I don't know if I was really there, hmm. uh, but he but he had this experience that was so powerful that God humbled him so he wouldn't be puffed up by the experience. So uh, cool. it's a, uh, yeah. So that's, so, that's so when we look up to the sky and say, look up to the heavens, we're right. actually talking about the second, first and second yeah, heaven. First and second heaven. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that would have been the understanding at least they had at that point. But, yeah. but for sure, third heaven is dealing with, so in some translations, it will just say paradise or, or heaven. So the yeah. third heaven's just the same as heaven or paradise. Right. The heaven that you think of, yeah. When we think of heaven, is the third heaven because we okay. we have different names. We have the atmosphere, 
he could have said past the atmosphere into space. <laughs> you know, we we use the, I mean, but when yeah. we say those words, that's what yeah. we're thinking. You have a when you say yeah. space, obviously. We have space right here, yeah. but when we say the word space, we're thinking of outer space. We're thinking. I of, just, I just thought of know, something. What about if somebody wrote another version of the Bible in that form of language? Well, it's been done. Oh, has it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. There's, there are so many forms okay. of the Bible. Well, I was thinking because, you know, I showed you the cotton patch version. Right. Yes. The, that I had, and so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and those versions are, they're paraphrased versions, is what they're called, and yeah. they are great. Um, uh, the message uh, is one. Uh, the the Living Bible is one. Uh, but there are there are, there are various the Good News Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. All of those are Bibles that people say write it in language vernacular language that everybody would understand. Uh, they're not great study Bibles because it's somebody who's saying this is what this means. Well, yeah. if you if you're really wanting to study it, you don't want to think what that person means. You want to know what did the original documents say. You know that's what yeah. you're trying to say. So, but we really don't know what the original documents said unless we, you're schooled like well, you. we don't know. Uh, well, the Bibles that we have, the ones that are uh, what are we call um, uh, there's dynamic translations and literal translations, and and just briefly about that, the uh, the Bibles that we have, like take the New American Standard Bible that we use, and also the uh, the Christian Standard Bible that we use. Uh, the New American Standard Bible is a literal translation, meaning it goes as close as it can, word really? for word, from the Hebrew to Hebrew to English, Greek to English. Uh, and that's why when you read it, it's a little bit choppy because those link, because our syntax, the way we put our sentences together is so much different. Mm-hmm. And so the, it doesn't read very well. A dynamic translation takes and says, well, here's what the Hebrew sentence says, but here's how we would communicate this in English. And so it's translating, it's translating it based on the best way to communicate the same uh, message, mm-hmm. and then you have, uh, like I said, the paraphrase or, or other versions are where they take and say, "Here's what this means." Well, you make a jump there, you know, right. when you're saying, yeah. "Here's what I think this would mean in our contemporary language." Um, yeah. That's it's helpful because it's easy; they're fun to read. Yeah. And but you are there is somebody who is making a jump for you saying, here's what I think this means. <laughs> you right. know? And in uh, and, and so, and a lot of your Bibles, you have a commentary and so forth. But uh, but we do know uh, that, uh, like, the, and the King James is that. It's, uh, the only thing about the King James Bible uh, is that it was written in 1611. And so our language has changed dramatically mm-hmm. since 1611. So um, yeah, Mine we, we, is we the New words. King James Version, yeah. which and takes the these and thous out. The, and... The, the only thing that, that was that scholars had against the New King James Version was when the King James Version was written since that time, we found over a thousand uh, pieces of manuscript that were really? older than the ones they had when they translated the Bible. So the newer wow. translations actually are more authentic than the King James. They just didn't have that available. Because it's once removed back there. Right. Well, yeah. yeah you, I mean, say for instance, I've, I've King James Bible's been written, and they have a, a manuscript that they're looking at that's five was done in 500 A.D. And then later we find something that was written in 200 A.D. And it's different than the one in 500 A.D. And you could tell at, that these manuscripts in between that there were notes that were taken and margins hmm. that were then moved into the text over the, a few hundred years. Oh. And so you're like, well, the ones that, you know, before those weren't in there. And so that yeah. seems more authentic than the one later. 
Well, I mean, we've found hundreds of those uh, uh, since the 1611. Wow. And so, so literally the Bible you're using today is actually older than the King James Bible. Uh, so it's it's hard to get your head around that, but, yeah. but we just found so much. But it, it it's not it's easier for us to say um, that was added. I mean, it doesn't make sense that they would take things away. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, it, it would. Yeah. And and the the woman uh, caught in adultery is a great example. That was uh, she was caught in adultery. Uh, and you know where he draw, writes it in the sand or, uh, writes in the mm-hmm. sand or whatever. Yeah. That account is because not... I was that woman. Yeah. Uh, on the pageant in the pageant. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll pre- yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. I did that. that. Yeah. But uh, but that uh, was uh, added. Uh, that story is not in the older manuscripts. And so the, the, none of the story of that. None is of that there. story is in there, right? So so the logic is that uh, somebody it was a, a oral tradition. I mean it was being it was a story that most likely to occurred pass it down. that was being okay. passed down yeah. and then somebody said well that needs to be put yeah. in and so it was probably something that when they would pass the letter it would be scrolled in a margin yeah. and then eventually just made its way into the text Interesting. So, so when you find older manuscripts uh and i get it if you've had a bible you've been using for years and then all of a sudden you have one that's been taken out you're like whoa mm-hmm. somebody took a story out of the bible but that's yeah. the reason they do uh but the new king james bible left all of those okay and so because it just took the king james and put it in a contemporary language so yeah. uh, and i i read the king james it's super powerful authoritative and so forth yeah. and, and it, it'll say in the margins this is not in the original manuscripts it'll put brackets around stuff and so forth and in a lot of translations but uh, hmm. but uh that's what if you ever read that that's what that means it just wasn't their older manuscripts and stuff we like may that. have to change this to understanding jesus and the bible yeah well i think yeah. the two are one and the same so yeah anyway. <laughs> well okay there you go but pam that's okay. our time thank you so much for being here with us today it we we, we won't well, wait two and a half years it to was do not as again. bad as going or, to the yeah. dentist so I think well, it was it was good. Yeah. Well, good deal, good deal. I hope you go. I hope you'll still listen. Uh, oh, yeah. I will. I will. <laughs> good deal. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Understanding Jesus podcast. We will be back next week.